that's a rap pod made by Raptors fans for Raptors fans. I am your co-host, Jay Rosales. I'm joined today by my friends. You guys want to introduce <laughs> yourselves? Uh, you got Jason Lung here, Jay number two. And I've got Andreas, just just the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are, we are very excited. We're on uh, episode number two right now. Last week uh, was an exciting one. I mean, the, the Kawhi trade happened and... Uh, you figure end of July we're going to be kind of dying down on the interesting stuff, but you know what? We've got a full pod for you guys today. You know what? It's kind of crazy how how like last week the big news dropped and everything, but even after we thought it was going to be slow, but so many things happened. Even oh, like no. the last I mean, week, this was like a bomb that went off in the NBA. You you're going to have residue. You're going to have shrapnel. You're going to have repairs and you're going to have discoveries this is not ending anytime soon yeah and if you you, you haven't heard enough about uh the the Kawhi and damar backlash and uh fallout from from last week's trade you you're you're in for another one because on the agenda today we've got uh the maasai presser and this has all happened within the last few days i mean since our last pod so we've got the maasai presser we've got DeRozan's response to that, as well as Kawhi saying he's not going to be taking part in Team USA's minicamp. And finally, we still have Danny Green's podcast. So we've got a lot to pack in here. So why don't we uh, jump right into it, eh, guys? Hell yeah. You want to talk about presser? I mean, the guy himself was was hard-pressed during this press release. I mean, (laughs) why don't you give us a bit of a background on what's ultimately most likely going to be the hottest presser as as you say um in the preseason there's none that are going to be as focused on as this one yeah i mean it was uh it was unlike any other presser and I, and i and i mean that in the sense that usually when a trade happens uh there is general excitement about it uh you don't normally see a general manager at getting grilled for it and, and that's what this felt like this mm-hmm. felt like i mean listening to that was was very, very different because every single reporter had an agenda. And that agenda was why and how could you do this to DeMar? I mean, that, that's what I felt. I mean, what did you guys think about this press, press conference? I feel like hardly any of it was about Kawhi. I think that we know or, or we, at least we hope that Kawhi is going to say something eventually because, I mean, the trade is final, right? He did um, past the physical. So, I mean, he yeah. is officially a Toronto Raptor, which is still kind of crazy to say. But eventually, we are going to hear from Kawhi, uh, hopefully, and by Green. So, I feel like this precedent, Masai, was more for about DeMar. And the fact that he kind of did that, knowing that Kawhi wasn't going to talk, knowing that he was also, he's been getting all of this backlash, I feel like he kind of gave two parts to the presser he did one where he praised Demar, which he should right everyone wants to praise Demar, and he even apologized he said i'm sorry for the miscommunication not in those words but at the end of it he also said look he, he basically did give everybody such as Dwayne and Demar, a chance like when he came into the to the raptor organization it wasn't his team it was still brian colangelo's team a lot of it is still brian colangelo's team if you really think about it and then he was like you know what? I could have changed everybody. I could have, I've, I've, I could have gone in and put all my guys in there, but instead, I gave them a chance. And sometimes you just have to change things. And I was like, that's that's completely valid, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, as he had to make these kinds of statements because, as you said, his back really was up against the wall. And this wasn't so much a press conference as much as it was, um, as you so aptly put it, a grilling because you can guarantee, especially from the Toronto press, perhaps, that so many people there were waiting for him to utter the wrong word. So that would make their headline like, yeah. I don't know, let's say he said something like, uh, Tamar just wasn't a good fit in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, but yeah. we loved having him here. Suddenly, the he- headline is Tamar not a good fit. Uh, Masai, Masai's a jerk. You know, like this uh-huh. big thing. So um, it was really interesting to see because he was being precise and polite, but at the same time choosing his words very wisely. And I don't just mean to be cautious, but to even almost fight back as if he was saying, "Hey, look, listen." I'm going to just say it. This is a business. I don't remember how quite how he said it, but he said something to, to the effect of, look, I'm going to be honest here, and you might not want to hear this, but this this is a business, and this is what I sought out to do when I first was given this opportunity. I'm, I'm not going to stop being a general manager now, you know? So yeah, this is yeah. what I need to do, so I have to make these decisions. And, I mean, he is right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The way he structured it, too, was 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 perfect. I mean – the very first thing he said was to apologize to DeMar. I mean, again, if we go back to any press conference for any trade that's ever happened, I, I can't think of any examples where the first thing that's uttered out of the mouth is, sorry. I mean, this, this, this was uh, every trade um, that's ever been done, each general manager feels like they would have won that trade or at least gotten equal value to what they put into that trade so for him to come out and first apologize to DeMar and praise him for everything that he's done for the city I think was the perfect way to start it and he defended himself to the point where you know what if you guys have this and he he saw it right away he could see that all of the questions kept trying to push him to 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 Andreas's point right it's as if they're trying to get him to say something so Mm -hmm. the fact that he was able to stand up for what he believed in and said basically what we all kind of thought, which is, you know what, a change had to be made, right? So I think the way he handled himself was really good. Uh, You know, we didn't get anything ridiculously negative out of it, except for maybe DeRozan's response. Yeah, the the whole uh, (laughs) smacking of the head in Instagram story. Oh, man. I don't don't know. I, I just, like, you can just tell that he's doing this via emotion in and we all kind of feel for him like even today i was i'm not too sure if you guys saw that espn uh interview with damar he basically said um everything that messiah said was bs um and Mm -hmm. and so it's 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 kind of tough to to watch this this uh you know, back and forth, this clash, because you feel for both Damar and Masai, you know, like, it's it's hard to not say no to this trade. At the same time, it's hard to f- see this trade through. And so you're like, it's almost like the fans are playing a tug of war, or the or the people who love Damar are on Damar's side. The people who understand the trade are on Masai's side. Like, it's basically what Damar is doing is inviting that clash, I, I feel. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because he's definitely responding viscerally. I mean, look at how he responded before there was even official news that the trade had happened on, again, an Instagram story. Mm-hmm. Um, what what you said, Jay, was that uh, Masai handled himself 
reasonably well, in fact, very well during the press conference. And I would highly agree with that. There's maybe one or two points, and it relates to this, that I feel like, you know, he was kind of tiptoeing between the territory where he might step on a mine and completely screw the whole thing up. And that was uh, with one question asking, like, um, is it true that you said he was going to stay and then you blindsided him? And he said something to the effect of, look, we had our discussions. I'm just going to leave it at that. Like, didn't want to go into deeper detail and kind of sidetracked and said, you know, if there's a miscommunication, and that's perhaps what's feeding DeMar DeRozan because there wasn't such a straightforward answer mm-hmm. um, from a size part, and it could still be picked apart. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan obviously plays with heart, but he obviously fights with heart as well when it comes to these kinds of battles because, you know, this is a guy who, um, when he was a free agent, could have been offered a hell of a lot in LA perhaps, but you know, of course he was offered more here in Toronto, but that's not why he stayed. He stayed because he loves it here. He's got his best friend in Kyle Lowry here. He wanted to win the ship here. And yeah, sure, there was a pay raise for him, but he made it count. He made sure that all of that counted. So, I mean, for those who haven't checked it out, what was his latest Instagram story like? I mean, because this is the response of somebody who wanted to stay and fought tooth and nail to stay and felt like he was cheated so what exactly was his, his latest response that happened a couple of days ago yeah no his latest response was uh just just one emoji just a face palm emoji as yep. if to say like okay well uh <laughs> this <laughs> is it. this is it right this is and then that action speaks way louder than the words mm-hmm. um I, I feel like the way that um they're both handling this trade there's a really stark difference between the two Ujiri um, is trying to uh, a rationalize why he made the trade, but b also try to sympathize for DeRozan, and he you can see that in the way he praises him and says that he he meant everything to the city. He was the first uh, star to really try to uh, build that legacy of you know this is a place to be. This is the kind of place you want to play it because that's still something that isn't uh, widely considered throughout uh, the NBA. On the flip side, I feel like uh, DeRozan has just one agenda, and that is uh, I am unhappy, and I will make sure you all know that, and I will make sure that you, you know, even today, he he was asked about uh, uh, something along the lines of, would you ever uh, speak to Masai again? He says, no, I have no reason to keep a relationship with him. And that just adds to him being extremely emotional about it. And again, I, I get it. He's, this is still, this is still fresh. And, um, you know, this is, uh, really turning into a bad breakup. Um, but yeah. dude, you got to move on, man. I'm sorry. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's time to move on. Like look at the flip side. You are now with the Spurs. You are now with Popovich. Like you yeah. didn't have to suffer through, uh, a possible rebuild, which we would have been going through two or three years down the road. I mean, there's th- look on the positive, and I think he's only focusing on the negative here. Or God forbid, he had Jason Kidd or something as a coach. But I oh, think what, <clears throat> I think what's hard here is that Masai really is one of the most uh, idiosyncratic uh, general managers out there. Or you know, even the whole building process for the Raptors was so signature, almost like you know the trust the process that. Mm-hmm that the 76ers have going on, you know, there's not a lot of general managers where the whole league kind of knows who this guy is. But when it comes to Masai, you know, he's got the name, 
he had the the trust in this team that was handed to him, brought something out of them. And, you know, there's with this feud going on, the initial trade definitely tarnished a lot of people's perceptions of this guy who was seen as like a wizard or like a, a magic illusionist of sorts in, in the NBA who was able to pull this off. And I think with DeRozan's response, it's just getting worse and worse. And perhaps he might become villainous. What do you think, Jason? I don't, I don't know. I, I think just like how you said that DeRozan is, you know, he plays with heart and he plays with fire. He plays with a lot of emotion. I think out of all, and remember he's, uh, Messiah's not even a, the GM anymore. He's the president of the Raptors. You know, like he That's has. True. That's the, true. Thanks for correcting. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no he's the, <clears throat> the entire Raptor organization is on his shoulders. So he understands the importance of DeRozan's. I I don't think that he doesn't care for him at all. I do mm-hmm. know that his number one thing on his agenda is to make not DeRozan better, is to make the Raptors better. And in order to do that, was to possibly get the best player that we could ever get in our franchise history. And how can you say no to that, you know? And the, the thing is, I think what kind of looks bad, and, and I'm not going to say that it looks bad on DeRozan or it looks bad on Masai. I just think that it is, like you said, Jay, it looks like a, it's like an ugly breakup. But yeah. I also think that Masai is in, his, in that presser, like he also, he speaks the heart, he speaks the truth. And if he did say something, like if he did actually tell the reporters exactly what was told so many of that would have been criticized and broken up and then it and uh it wouldn't have been true anyways like it, there was no point of actually telling the entirety of the conversation because one either tomorrow was going to say that's bs or two it was going to be scrutinized anyways so it whatever he said in, in that presser is is exactly what he should have said that's 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 my thing and i and i think that demar uh, eventually or hopefully will realize how good of a position he is in as well. Well, I mean, speaking of positions and outcomes, so, you know, everybody's wondering about Kawhi's press release. Uh, when we're going to see him, is he even back in action? Is he injured? Because um, what's the recent news about Kawhi and the U.S. team? He's not playing. Yeah, so we don't even get a chance to see. So, I mean, what do you, well, what do you say will, to that? I will say this. I will say this. Uh, the, the the initial rumors about him uh, playing for uh, Team USA or at least showing up to the minicamp was initially because, and this was rumors, but it seems to be corroborated by numerous sources, um, would have been to showcase his own talents and show everyone, because, again, his, his MO was, I, I need to get out of San Antonio. Um, and you can understand many teams were probably hesitant on, okay, well, how healthy are you? So taking part in the mini camp for Team USA was supposed to be his chance to highlight that, hey, look, I'm still here. I'm still solid and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready if you need to, if you want to trade for me. So it was he was going to do it for his own uh, reasons of, of showcasing his own abilities. Uh, but that's not needed anymore. Uh, he, they found a trade partner in Toronto. He's there now. He doesn't need to show anything. And especially since he's past his physical, he's definitely okay to go. That's mainly, I mean, that's really what what it boils down to for why he, he dropped out of uh, Team USA. I mean, sorry, the, the minicamp. I mean, there couldn't possibly be any other reason for him not to join now, would there? Well, I think that there was a little bit of an addition to it. And they were saying that how he dropped out of the USA camp so he could be... Uh, 
integrated to his new team. Which means that is he still in Toronto? You think? Maybe. Probably. And and honestly, that that is my favorite reason for why he's uh, dropped out of the camp or, or not taking part in the camp. But we'll it, but for sure, we, we we won't, we won't. But I I love that reasoning. I, I can't remember who tweeted that out. Um, but I mean, there is also it's very easy to to just uh, point to the fact that. Uh, a certain somebody, a certain former coach, happens to be coaching Team USA. Uh, the, the individual who he just got traded for is also going to be in that mini camp. So there are also many other smaller reasons, but actually large reasons for him not to take part in this mini camp. But I mean, because Kawhi is so quiet. I mean, the guy doesn't have Facebook. He barely has a Twitter account. He, his last post is from like 2015 or something, I think. Uh, this was, he doesn't talk this guy. This could have been his way. It's, it's weird because it's like, this could have been his way of being like, hey, don't worry. This is how I'm performing now. Let's make this clean. But as you said, you know, you've got Popovich there, who I don't think would have been negligent towards him. But it's more DeRozan and Lowry being there that I think could have turned us very ugly, especially because there's such a camaraderie there. DeRozan's so visceral. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think they would have had a fight or anything, but it just would have been very unpleasant. But you also have to think about, like, the people who were at the camp. I I mean, looking at, um, you know, you know how, like, the NBA is a brotherhood, and at the same time, they're all also really young dudes, and they're all basically all our age almost. Uh, and how they connect with each other is through social media, right? You can kind of tell that a lot of the Rosen's friends are like the the big name guy, like Boogie, and and you got KD and Durant. Got, yeah, all, mm-hmm. like all of them are yeah. are really close with Demar. I haven't, besides the Team Spurs, USA. yeah, Team yeah. USA basically. And besides like Tony Parker, Manu, and Duncan, like there's not really much camaraderie that surrounds Leonard. So the fact that if he did go to that, I just feel there would have been unnecessary negativity there. That if he did go, def- there definitely would be uh, some awkwardness. That's for damn sure. <laughs> so I, I think it all kind of played into him not being not being there. You know, like I mean, I'm sure that some of the reason would be that he wanted to stay with Toronto, and other reasons could have been like, you know what, I don't, I just don't want to be in that position. Like he. He basically didn't play for an entire season because he didn't like he didn't want to. He didn't feel comfortable. Why would he go to uh, Team USA just like for 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 a camp? Like I, it wouldn't have made sense either. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, as long as he speaks volumes as a Raptor, that's that's basically all that matters. But speaking of uh, speaking volumes. Uh, we keep we keep on bringing up uh, Kawhi Leonard with this whole trade business, but we forget that we have uh, another certain uh, three point shooter that um when he's hot he boy is he ever hot. Uh, what news do we have on Mr. Green and his uh, I believe brand new podcast? Yeah, inside the green room. Gotta say it was a good listen. It's quite the natural at this. I believe he has a communications degree. I could be wrong, but I believe. Oh, cool. Oh, there you go. But yeah, uh, I'm assuming you both listened to the podcast as well. There are a lot of positive things he said. And these are the types of things that you kind of expect from someone who uh, was just traded to a new team. It's He showed a lot of appreciation to the team he was leaving. 
appreciation to that organization, but also a lot of positivity and excitement towards his new team. And that's really all you really hope for whenever you get a guy, uh, any guy in a trade, but particularly um, someone who is of, of his caliber. Um, we haven't gotten that yet from Kawhi, but as we've already said, Kawhi is very, very quiet. <laughs> so, yeah. but Tim Duncan two yeah, <laughs> doesn't speak, doesn't smile. But I mean, that's that's that's, that's just the way Kawhi is. I mean, I I, I know that uh, you know it, it came out earlier this week that uh, David Robinson had been reaching out to him and he wasn't returning calls. Uh, but but David Robinson also clarified that. Well, even when he was with the organization, we probably spoke a total of like six words to each other. So oh. he's just a quiet guy. So the fact that he hasn't called me back, let's not blow that out of proportion. He's just generally quiet. But meanwhile, you have the other part in this. Danny Green openly comes out, loves where he's going to be going. Very excited about it. I mean, what did you guys think of the podcast? I loved it. I loved it a lot. It was it was a great interview. It wasn't much about Toronto, obviously, because he, he it was a few days after. Uh, right. And then so he obviously wanted to talk about, like, you know, his appreciation with the Spurs and and his reaction about uh, his his own reaction, actually, because he was he had no idea either, you know, and um, I think the best part about it was I think it was early on to the in the pod, too, where he explain how everyone keeps on asking him at like what's going on with Kawhi and like what, yeah. what would he, you know what is he saying and then he just keeps on saying bro I don't know <laughs> stop <laughs> asking me like lumped into it himself yeah exactly <laughs> he he and and it's great because he he stated that you know with Kawhi and with this with the team that we have now still I feel like we could do something special like that's f- coming from his own words and mm-hmm. and and now I think um what he wants to do according to his pod is that he he's trying to himself reach out to Kawhi and be like, Hey, it's, it's only you and me now. Let's, let's do this together. And hearing that mm-hmm. from, you know, the second piece of the trade. And like you said, it's not really a small piece. Like Danny green, I would say is, is a, is a, is a great three and D guy and, and probably will start over CJ. And you know, that, that's a good that's true yeah and cj's already like an asset so i mean that's a good point yeah and i i just feel like cu- coming from you know danny it's it's a pretty good feeling to hear knowing that we won't be hearing anything from Kawhi. and even if we do hear something from Kawhi at his presser i don't feel it's going to be like anything substantial anyways yeah it's so interesting though because um you have two opposite ends of the spectrum Kawhi leonard was kind of a big deal when he first started and obviously he got mvp of his playoff year when um, when the Spurs beat the Heat in the championships. And, uh, you know, he's reserved, but he's essentially a team leader. And he was seen as a guy where when the Spurs were transitioning from the Duncan era to the Kawhi era, you know, it, it was on his shoulders. Whereas, you know, you have Green over here and it's like cold at first, but kind of warmed up to being like a great second option where it's like you can't, do stuff in the paint, pass it out to pass it out to Danny Green. He shoots, he's hot, he's gonna shoot lots of threes and he's gonna get them all in. And that's that's a great option to have. So what we have here is kind of like a humble perspective from a guy who had to be given a chance, which is interesting because Kawhi's in this spot now where it's it's weird that how the role's not as as like team members are concerned, but 
as respect is is concerned, you have Kawhi who's got to earn something, and Green who's basically welcome with open arms here. I think it's very interesting because those are again completely op- opposite ends of the spectrum as to what was happening on the Spurs now in Toronto, and even just both players swapping sides almost. And to get that kind of perspective from him, it, it was it shed some light on this situation from from a pair of eyes that a lot of people haven't really given a chance until now. Yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that, um, you know, we can speculate all we want about how, how players feel and how teams feel about trades, but to hear it from the horse's mouth is, is, is uh, definitely adds that unique perspective. Uh, you know, hearing that he didn't find out until because he had uh, uh, muted his phone or something like that. He turned off his notification, so he actually didn't find out uh, until several hours after it had already been announced. So it was kind of cool to think that, like, the three of us on this on this pod found out before Danny Green himself. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> but the no, other interesting I part, I want to be late on. Yeah, well, I mean, the other interesting part I uh, I got from that pod was his discussion about his injury. Uh, yes, yes. This one, this one was definitely interesting. And uh, you know, typically, if when a player talks about an injury. It's not that big of a deal. It's okay. Well, he played through an injury. That's great. But you start putting some pieces together. And, uh, well, let, let me first recap by saying that what he had said, which was, you know, he had initially been playing with uh, a, a strain on his groin, uh, was able to play through some of it, uh, said he was uh, experiencing some of the pain on and off throughout the season. A doctor said he was still good to go. Um, by the end of the season, he found out that it actually was a tear. That raises some eyebrows because if we also remember, this was uh, a large portion of uh, and beginning of Kawhi's fallout with the Spurs. Um, They had given him the okay to come back. He wanted to seek a second opinion, uh, got that second opinion. That second opinion said, no, you should not come back. So I think that's part of the uh, disconnect between um, at least the medical staff and and Kawhi's uh, Kawhi and his team. Uh, his team being his agents, of course. Um, so th- there's a bit here to unravel, and, and I, maybe I'm blowing out of proportion, and maybe I'm not. I don't know. What do you guys think of that that portion of the pod? I mean, like Kawhi is such a different case, though, because like we've covered, he he barely talks. So you like nobody knows what the full story was is with him ever outside of what his reps basically tell the public. Uh, Green over here, as great as he is, isn't the team leader. Um, it doesn't rest squarely on his shoulders, whether they're going to make it or not. Like LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going to have to cure cancer and give birth to keep the Spurs in the playoff contention now because Kawhi is questionable, right? Uh, we didn't have to deal with Green's pop-ups because I follow the Spurs on Facebook as well. Every game, it would be like injury report. Let me guess, Kawhi Leonard, yep, yep, yep. And, you know, the same thing all the time. There's not going to be that amount of pressure on Green. So, I mean, if this is the same thing, first off, he's going to handle it better. Secondly... Uh, I don't think it'll be as pressurizing from us to to him or from the team to him because he's not the saving grace of the team, basically. That's why with Kawhi, it's a little bit dodgier. But with Green, let him take the time that he needs because he's going to tell us what it's how it is anyway. So we'll always know how he is, you know? I feel the same. I feel the same for sure. I, I mean, I have uh, a very great affection for 
the uh, Alec, great Alex McKechnie, who's who's the head of the training staff uh, for the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors. He used to work for mostly LA, I think, and was helping with Kobe with his rehab and uh, Powell with his rehab. So, uh, getting to getting to know him and and seeing what he's done with his accolades, and I just feel like we're in really good hands. I, I honestly, I'm just being biased here, but I, I just think that every time we've had some sort of significant injury, thinking about like when DeMar uh, sprained his groin too, I think, like, uh, it's been really good. So whenever I think about health with our players, I always feel okay with it because of our, our staff, our medical staff. And like you said, I think that Green is probably going to take it a lot better, even even probably Kawhi. I, I don't know. I just, because of hearing uh, the podcast and, and whatever, hearing it straight from uh, Danny Green, it, it does shine a better light to an already, like, bad situation on both ends on the spurs and the rafters but i do have a question for you guys though mm-hmm. um two-part question what do you think is our projected starting lineup but also mm. do you think that we are done with the moves that are being done uh projected starting lineup uh, hmm, that's a good one um so I think it would probably start with, I mean, I, I, it's hard to imagine, although I think it should be done, it's hard to imagine Ibaka or JV uh, going to the bench, which means uh, Kawhi essentially uh, just replaces DeRozan in starting lineup. So I don't think there's a major shift there. Um, that's not starting lineup I would, I would like, but I think it's probably where uh, Nick Nurse will go. Your second part of your question, Actually, you know what, Andreas? You, I want to hear your projected starting lineup first, and then we'll 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 address that second question from Jason. Yeah, because I'm I'm basically in the same way line of thought as you. Because a big reason why Kawhi's here is because Ibaka is a great defensive force, and him and Kawhi together will be actually astonishing if it all works out well on the defensive end. Will be nuts. Um, Lowry is obviously not going to be benched unless he just flat out doesn't want to play or something to that effect. Um, Valanchunas isn't going anywhere. Like if this was the other rumored trade that was going on ages ago, where it was uh, Yanni Antetokounmpo, that's a different story because that would have taken JV's spot like in a flash. But otherwise, uh, power forward for power forward. I mean, that's and, and also just to add a little more more context to that. I mean, if we were to to hypothesize that. Uh, Danny Green, for example, would be starting. That would bump OG down to the bench, which is not that bad. It's just our bench mob is that's a sick it's lineup all in itself, league. right? It's yeah, it is yeah. the best in the league, right? That's so what you're, true. So, so what yeah. you're probably saying is, so we got one for like Kyle at one, and you have Danny Green at two. No, uh, OG, OG, OG or Kawhi at the two. OG or Kawhi at the two. Wow. And then you got and then you got Danny Green at the three. No, no, no. I'm saying the two and the three is going to be OG and Kawhi, and then you have Serge and JV. Meaning, basically, meaning Kawhi is just basically taking DeRozan's spot oh. in the starting lineup. That's what I'm. That's what I'm predicting. Interesting. Yeah, uh, interesting. But is 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 that what you guys are thinking or no? I was Absolutely. thinking. I was thinking uh, Danny Green and Kawhi starting for some reason. I don't know. I just had really? that had that thought. I just had a Kyle, Danny, Kawhi, yeah, no, and, and Serge and, and and JV as a starting five. And there's definitely some 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 good reasoning behind that. I mean, OG is is a natural three, so and so, so is Kawhi. So trying to force them both to be a shooting guard isn't. Uh, I mean, at least if you're to define it by position, 
I can see that. And also, I mean, I, I regularly visit uh, rotoworld.com, check out the depth charts. This is more for my fantasy basketball purposes. But yeah, even they have listed uh, Danny Green as the starter. Cool. Uh, and the second part of the question, any additional moves? I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't think there are going to be any additional moves, at least nothing major. I know there have been some small grumblings about uh, uh, the possibility of, oh, well, what if we remove Lowry? Because, uh, you know, that's his, that's his boy that they, that they, that they just traded. But uh, I don't see anything happening here in terms of a big trade. Uh my guess is that if anything does happen, it'll be uh, the Raptors making a move just to either sign or pick up a, a, a backup center. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if a move were to happen, I would say, you know, lower the expectation that it would be anything groundbreaking. Um, if Masai does anything, it'll probably be in, in the form of shedding some salary. Um, so that that's right. the way I see it. Yeah, that's so kind of the way I see it as well, because, I mean, first off, this is as big of a move as you can already have. It's the biggest in Raptors history, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the only possible thing I could see is getting rid of Lowry, perhaps for, as you said, the salary cap to have more money to work with. But we ultimately kind of already did that with DeRozan and signing on Kawhi for the one year. You know, if he stays, it's a different story. But otherwise, I think Masai's greatest concern and why this Kawhi deal even happened was to make a run for the playoffs. And if that's broke or if it works, we still have our bench to turn into our starting lineup one day. So I don't think he wants to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I think he wants to let his his pieces sit and show their worth in the near future. Um, our starting lineup's a little bit different, but I don't think that's going to be changed whatsoever. I mean, what do you think, Jason? You know what? Uh, as much as I want that trade, or you know, um, maybe even the salary dump with with Kyle, that's also a thirty-two million dollar contract right there. And I don't think any we got there's any takers, especially with how the NBA is kind of looking with so little teams with any cap space to take on that kind of money. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Kyle is going to stay as reluctant that he he as reluctant he might be, um, but. Regardless, I'm still kind of excited, and this has been the most uh, groundbreaking slash entertaining uh, off-seasons we've had since probably VC. And by the way, VC got signed or signed a one-year deal with the Hawks for $2.5 million. He's a so Hawk. There's no, He's a Hawk. Still flying. He's still flying. Like, doesn't look like there's going to be any VC reunion anytime soon. Um, <laughs> and if anything, it'll probably be like a retirement one-day contract. So, I mean... It's all good. It's not like he was going to really do much, but yeah, caca. This is like this is this is team age now. It's like he's gonna get through to twenty nine and still think, hmm, should I come back home? Nah. And at the age of fifty, sign with like I don't know the Bobcats, which don't even exist anymore, or something. I think he'd rather do that. He's like, gonna go to China with Dwayne Wade. That's what he's gonna do. <laughs> at the age of fifty, yeah. he's like, I'm not even gonna join the big three. I ain't done yet. Yeah. <laughs> I still got to make my money, man. I'm going to make sure all of the cartilage in my knees is out. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, on that very unprofessional final note uh, from yours truly, I apologize. Uh, You could find us at uh, That's a Wrap podcast on Twitter. And uh, where can we find all of our lovely co-hosts? You can find me at Rosalisaurus on Twitter. 
You can find me at jsound20 uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, hopefully soon you can find us on uh, iTunes podcast. Right now you can kind of just find us on Podbean. But uh, we will let you know. Keep on, keep on checking in on our Twitter account. And uh, we'll let you know when you can download us on iTunes. Well, that's Good all right. Good guys. All right. All right. Take care.